Behind the Bite podcast is part of a network of podcasts that are good for the world. Check out podcasts like the Full of Shit podcast, After the First Marriage podcast, and Eating Recovery Academy over at practiceofthepractice.com backslash network. Welcome to Behind the Bite podcast. This podcast is about the real life struggles women face with food, body image, and weight. We're here to help heal, inspire, and create better, healthier lives. Welcome. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. I am excited to bring on our guest today because we are going to talk about something that, well, whenever I put a post out there asking people uh, what their biggest hesitation or fear in is about seeking treatment for their eating disorder. Um, like, unanimously, one of the biggest comments I get is that people are really afraid of losing weight. And one of the main things I hear, even in my own sessions with patients, is that people are fine going through treatment, but they just don't want their body to change. And, you know, personally, I do understand that fear. I did have that myself because I was so afraid of what changes were going to happen when I entered treatment. Um, so much of eating disorders is about control. And I think what it is, is you go through so many uh, rituals and routines and your eating disorder, basically your life revolves around the eating disorder. And so when you think about going to treatment, uh, you just don't know what you're in for. And so the thought of, oh gosh, I'm quote unquote, worked, I've worked so hard to get here. Um, if you know, you've achieved a certain uh, weight or body or whatever that is, or sense of control, the thought of losing control, whether that's um, what you're going to be told to eat or what your body might look like or whatever it is, it can be really scary. And so I totally understand that. And I, it's not surprising that people say that um, when they think about entering treatment, it's it's one of the biggest hurdles. Um, and so I did want to talk about that. I think that it's an important thing to bring up to talk about why that's a fear and so I have a guest here today who's going to talk about that and more. We're going to digress into different things, but I do think that's an important thing that to, to bring up um, and not just put our head in the sand and say that that's not something that people feel or that that's not a real fear um, or a big barrier to people who want to go into treatment. Um, so who was our guest today? We have Natalie Rose. She's a registered psychotherapist who's based in Toronto, Canada. And she specializes in the treatment of disordered eating and eating disorders. She works primarily with adults using a biopsychosocial approach to address emotion regulation, disordered eating, chronic dieting, negative body image, self-esteem, and eating disorders such as anorexia, bulimia, binge eating, and orthorexia. Right. Well, Natalie, welcome to the show. I'm really glad to have you here. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Um, so it was like to you know, I do the intro and it says some things about you, but I always like to ask guests just a little bit about themselves and get to know you. Like, how did you end up here in your career in this place in your life? If you're okay sharing that with the audience. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of funny because I have struggled with my own disordered eating in the past. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was kind of a surprise that I landed like here as a a psychotherapist specializing in eating disorders. So I um, like sort of experienced that typical 
difficulty coping with changes to my body during puberty and feeling like just very self-conscious and uncomfortable in my body. And I went to a new school. I switched high schools like after second year and felt very vulnerable walking into that new environment. So I felt like I had to lose weight immediately. Did it in a very unhealthy, rapid way, which like quickly backfired into binge eating. And then I struggled with that binge restrict cycle for the rest of high school. In university, it switched more into binge eating because I realized that I also had a heart issue, not not from it was I was born with it. So it wasn't directly related to the eating disorder, but it caused me to have to put restrictions on my exercise and things like that. So I felt like I had to control my body even more through dieting, which worsens the binge eating. And so I became very isolated and really, really struggled then. Towards the end of university, I I guess I kind of just, I was still dieting, but it was maybe in a more balanced way. And I was finding myself outside of just food. Like I was doing things that helped build my self-esteem. Like I was involved in this thesis project, which involved like neuroscience and brain imaging and all that kind of stuff, which I thought was cool. So there was less focus on food and dieting and more of me sort of, I don't know, like coming into my own. So my binge eating reduced then. And then it got worse again with like, you know, major life transitions. My mom was diagnosed with cancer, that kind of stuff. So eventually I got to a place where I realized that dieting was not the answer. Like it was causing more weight gain than it was the cause of the weight gain. So it was worse than just not dieting. So I started trying to balance out my meals and the binge, that helped with the binge eating. And then I started seeing my first therapist and through talking and learning more about my emotions and my internal experience, I ended up relying less on eating disorder behaviors to soothe what I was going through because I was learning how to cope in other ways. So even though she didn't specialize in eating disorders, it was helping me. Mm-hmm. And then I graduated. I I decided I wanted to go back to school and do my master's in psychology and become a therapist. And at that time, I was getting into like the healthier side of eating, which was a little bit too healthy, like more on the orthorexia side. But I didn't know that at the time. So I thought I was eating healthy. I started this Instagram account posting my breakfast and how I was you know, not dieting anymore. And I was opening up myself to these, you know, beautiful breakfasts and enjoying food more. Um, And that's how I grew a following. And then through that following, I realized that a lot of the people who followed me struggled with their relationship to food and that I, they were asking me questions that I didn't know the answers to. So I started doing more research and realizing I wanted to specialize in eating disorders. So then I became a registered psychotherapist and did some other additional training in treating eating disorders. And then that brought me to where I am now. So I still have that Instagram account, but the title has changed from a blog to more eating disorder treatment related or recovery related. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's how I got here. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that story. You know, it's so common. Most of us doing this work have had a journey ourselves and so can really understand and relate to 
most of what people probably listening to this are going through themselves or have gone through. Um, but, you know, you and I touched base a little bit before we hit record. You know, one of the main hurdles uh, for people going into treatment or seeking treatment is this fear of gaining weight. And um, I don't know if you ever experienced that yourself. Like there was this fear of, gosh, if I don't have my eating disorder anymore, if I don't engage in these behaviors or I seek treatment, um, what's going to happen to my body? Am I going to gain weight? And I don't know if you hear this often from people too. Like this is one of the main barriers for people seeking treatment or fears they have. Um, just curious your thoughts on that. Oh, 100%. It is the biggest barrier to to treatment. Mm-hmm. In my case, I didn't know that I had an eating disorder. I thought that I was just dieting, which was normalized. Everyone encouraged me to diet, right? Like, well, if you don't like your body, then just lose weight and diet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't know that I had an eating disorder. And I thought that like binge eating was just me being bad at dieting. Like I thought that I was failing at it. I didn't know, I didn't understand the biological underpinnings of why dieting is harmful and how binge eating functions to help keep you alive, basically. So for me, it wasn't like, oh, I can't seek help because I'm afraid of weight gain. Although that's the case for many people who are more aware that they have disordered eating. Um, however, the fear of weight gain was central to my experience throughout. Like mm-hmm. my number one goal was to be thinner. So of course, like if I had met with someone and they told me you have to eat more and your weight might change because of that, I can totally imagine being in the place of, you know, some of my clients of being like, well, no, that's, that's not going to work for me actually. So yeah, it's really tough because we're really conditioned to to fear weight gain, mm-hmm. right? Like I I know even just growing up, like I would hear messages like, you know, well, you don't want to eat that, like you don't want to get fat or you don't want to gain weight or just hearing messages, negative messages about weight gain or people, people in larger bodies, um, not to mention everything we're exposed to like on TV and movies. So it makes sense why people are afraid of weight gain, why, you know, I was afraid of weight gain. And I think that it's really important to start with educating clients about where those fears come from, how they can be disproportionate and how they can be affecting the way that we think about health and eating and wellness, because there's still a lot of toxic messages about weight loss and, and fatness and weight gain that, that we see, even though there has been a huge movement towards health at every size and just destigmatizing fatness. It's, it's a lot. And I think it takes years to, to experience that fundamental shift in the way that you perceive weight and how you allow your weight to fluctuate based on what your body needs. So you're talking about the educational part. So, well, if somebody were to ask you like, okay, so I'm trying to understand this, like, how was I influenced or conditioned to fear weight gain? Like, where did that all that come from? Yeah. So I would start by talking about diet culture and the multi-billion dollar industry Uh, the diet industry and how 
it really profits off of creating this fear and shame in us that if we, if they can convince us that there's something wrong with our weight or that there is something to be feared and to protect ourselves from by going on this diet or buying this supplement or doing this program or or signing up for this app, then they're making money and we're losing. And because dieting never works in the long term, ultimately, you know, we regain the weight and that has been proven in research that, you know, makes the diet industry even more successful because then we keep coming back. You know, we see those quick results. Like you do see quick results when you're going on a diet and whether it's eliminating a major food group or cutting your calories, like you do see a shift in your weight, but it's not sustainable. So Mm -hmm. you get that sort of immediate feeling of like, oh, this works and I'm succeeding. And it's, it's a positive feeling, not to mention the praise you get from everyone else for, oh, like, have you lost weight? You look great. That kind of secures that feeling that we keep then trying to chase. You know, I just want to feel that good again. And then it never lasts. So you kind of, it sets us up for this vicious cycle. Okay. Do you think there's any other influences other than the toxic diet culture we're in that sets people up for this? Yeah. I mean, it infiltrates the medical industry, like doctors, there's a lot of weight bias there. So when you go to a doctor, like they often miss when we're in a low weight, like when we're maybe not eating enough and we are dieting and there are certain signs. I often see this with clients because we always encourage them to have medical monitoring just to make sure that everything is okay medically, like in their labs and things like that. And so sometimes there are signs such as low heart rate. Um, and that just gets written off as like, oh, they're they're an athlete, like that's yeah. fine. Or loss of period, like period loss. Um, so there's a bias towards thinness, which often misses a lot of the signs of an eating disorder. And that invalidates someone with an eating disorder where they think, oh, well, it's not that bad if my doctor doesn't think it's bad. And then on the other side of things, like if you live in a larger body and you go to the doctor, I've also heard from a lot of clients that their their concerns are dismissed and they're just attributed to being at a higher weight when there is a lot of research that shows that, you know, just because you're at a higher weight, people living at a higher weight that are engaging in health promoting behaviors can be perfectly healthy. It's not a correlation between weight gain and medical issues. It has more to do with a person's genetics, behaviors, lifestyle, access to resources, stress levels, things like that, that really determine our health more than just the number on the scale. Right. And, you know, you know, heard these things from other um, experts I've had on here, and I've certainly said those things too. And, you know, I'm just, you know, for people listening, who have heard these things before on here. It's like, it's just, I think we need to keep reiterating these things over and over again, because, the other messages are so loud and prevalent. And I just think the more people like yourself or me or other experts, like keep like repeating these other things, hopefully people will like actually listen and they hear it. It's like, how often do we have to say like diets don't work, but yet people are still going on diets like year after year, like especially around the new year, right? It's like, it baffles me. It's like, what's happening? 
I know it's wild. It's, it's frustrating too, just to keep seeing content pushing those diets, right? It's kind of sad actually, you know, like, wouldn't it be nice if we could focus on so many other important things than just changing our body to fit this one like type that someone has decided is ideal. I feel like, you know, there's so much room for other more important things, but we lose a lot of time to dieting and fixating on this obsession with weight loss. Yeah. I mean, if somebody were to ask you like, okay, so why is weight gain not bad? Like, because our society says like weight gain so bad. It's like the worst thing possible. So like, is there reasons why it's actually not a bad thing? Yeah. I think like, I always like to talk about the black and white mindset, because Mm -hmm. when we have been conditioned to be so fearful, that puts us into that all or nothing thinking, right? So we've been sort of taught to think that all weight gain is bad and all weight loss is good. So if you just think about some of the times when either you or someone else you know has lost weight, has that always been good? Because I know that I've lost weight from grief, from illness. Um, I've been at my lowest weight and I've been suffering from severe depression. Like just the way that not all weight loss is good, not all weight gain is bad. (laughs) So I like to sort of poke around, like around the gray area, help people find the gray area that, um, of course, we've learned that it's bad and something that's a hundred percent to be avoided. Mm-hmm. And it's not always a bad thing. Sometimes we need to gain weight to restore our period. You know, if we're struggling with amenorrhea, we've lost our period from under eating or overexercising or too much stress. Um, weight gain is often essential for recovery. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be essential for our body to feel regulated again when we've regained the amount of weight that we've lost during an eating disorder. So to help reduce the eating disorder symptoms and the intrusive thoughts, like our body needs to get back to our set point range. Um, Sometimes weight gain helps give us more energy and more energy to do things like joyful movement or exercise, which can be healthful behaviors. So there are so many reasons why it's not all bad, but I think I could list them off, but I think it's also helpful for everyone to think individually in their experience. You know, have you gained weight in the past? Not all weight gain is happy weight gain. I mean, I know that, you know, for example, in my experience, I had gained a lot of weight when I was binge eating. You know, I wouldn't say that that was healthy weight gain because I wasn't healthy mentally or behaviorally, but there have been other times in my life when I was regaining weight that I had lost in an unhealthy way. And that gave me my personality back and my energy to focus on other meaningful things like my career and my relationships. So I always encourage people to think about how they are feeling if they are going through the process of waking and they've noticed it and they're freaking out like, okay, but how, in what other ways has your life improved? Would you have even noticed and freaked out if you hadn't seen the number on the scale, which you've already decided is too much or looked in the mirror and glanced or glanced at a picture that you didn't like, you know, if you were just 
in your body, feeling how you feel in your body without looking at it as a critical observer. Did you really feel that much different? Were you any less healthy? And the answers are usually no. So it's it's more so, you know, our thoughts and emotions that are tied to weight gain that are that feel unbearable, more unbearable than the actual weight gain itself. Mm-hmm. No, I love that you said that, that all or nothing, because I think that's so true. I think, you know, there are so many messages now that like, to be healthy, you need to lose weight or, you know, you're unhealthy if you gain weight, like it's such a bad thing, right? Um, And so there's also that tie too, right? Like if you gain weight, you're going to be unhealthy. And if you lose, you're going to be healthy. And not to mention all the other societal things too, right? Like, you know, if you gain weight, you're not as attractive or have as much value or have as much worth, right? And if you lose, like you have more of those things. Um, but as you and I both know too, right? If you have an eating disorder and like you gain weight, it's the out of control feeling too, like, oh my gosh, I'm not controlling anything, right? Yeah. Um, so when you're working with people and they're hesitating to get into treatment because of this one thing, like how do you help them through that? Yeah, I actually posted a three-day workshop on overcoming the fear of weight gain Mm. because I feel like it is such an important stepping stone into, you know, a person's decision to to pursue recovery and to let go of disordered eating. And some of the things that we talk about in that workshop are identifying your core values because when you have an eating disorder disorder, you kind of get into this headspace where you feel like you only value weight loss and healthy eating. Like it becomes your life. Mm -hmm. And because of that, you become very disconnected from other parts of your life, whether that's relationships or passions and hobbies or specific values like family or um, ambition or creativity or travel, they all get swept away Mm -hmm. and, So that can also keep us stuck in disordered eating when we feel like we have nothing else to really focus on or to connect with. So I try to help them think about, you know, what were some of the things that you liked about yourself and your life before the obsession with weight loss really became the first priority. Mm -hmm. And we also talk about how to manage emotions that come up and those thoughts, because a lot of the fear of weight gain is around these judgments that are catastrophic. Like if I gain weight, no one will love me. Mm. It's like, well, can you challenge that? Like look around the world. Like there's tons of people in different sizes and shapes that have relationships. Like, you know, gaining weight doesn't render you unlovable. That's Mm. a fear that, you know, you've developed probably as a result of experiences that were very real. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of clients, for example, have parents who have consistently made comments about their weight or have instilled that fear in them. So it's about validating where those fears come from. And then also deciding, is it, is it worth it to buy into this fear and have it really shrink your life down Or could it be worth it to be able to cope with that fear, like to acknowledge it and accept it and also work towards some more values-based actions, like eating in a way that at least satisfies your energy needs, like your 
nutritional requirements, mm-hmm. um, doing things that are not related to the eating disorder, like getting more social or practicing a new skill, something like that to kind of mitigate that fear. Like not, it's not realistic to say, you know, you have to stop fear and weight gain to pursue recovery. It's just about being able to balance it with maybe some other valued actions and some other emotions, you know, bringing in some joyfulness or some excitement, maybe in a different area of your life as you cope with that fear of weight gain. Mm-hmm. No, I love that you mentioned all of those things because I, I think people lose sight of that, right? They get so ingrained in the eating disorder. They kind of go, oh, wait, I stopped doing all those things I used to enjoy or wait, I haven't reached out to my friends in so long or wow, I'm so isolated. And it's kind of this like moment of like, whoa, how how many things have I lost in my life or what is this taken from me? So I love that you mentioned all those things because maybe even someone listening right now is going, oh yeah, (laughs) wait a minute. Like this is my whole life. Exactly. And I think that that's an important part of recovery is, is you can never really know what it's going to look like. So I think that's something that causes hesitation, right? Is the uncertainty. Like even though someone may know that they're suffering with the eating disorder, it's not just the fear of waking, like with the fear of waking comes uncertainty and not knowing what the future holds is scary enough to keep them stuck in the same patterns, the same cycle. So part of it is about embracing uncertainty and knowing that you don't have to have all the answers and that it will be okay. Um, And just building coping mechanisms that to, to lean on, you know, when those emotions become really intense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So was there, a, I'm just curious for you, was there like a moment where you realized like so many of the other things in your life kind of went on the back burner when the eating disorder kind of just took over everything? Yeah, I would say that like a pretty huge part of my recovery was sort of like the last phase of it. Like I went through the restriction, then the restrict binge, then the binge, and then the orthorexia, like obsession with healthy eating. Mm-hmm. And then I finally got to this space where I was learning more and more about the anti-diet way of nutrition and health at every size and how dieting is so harmful and how a lot of the fears that I had around food were just not realistic. Like it was really coming from the, like a lot of fear mongering from social media. So I was like, oh okay. And I was just challenging myself to introducing a lot of the food that I loved before, but hadn't been allowing myself to have. And, and it was fine for a while. It was really exciting. And then I started noticing my body changing. And then I was like, oh, okay, this is really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I totally get all the feelings that, you know, clients go through like members of my community, um, it's, it is challenging. And I mean, just, I I live in a smaller body. So sometimes I feel like there's that guilt and shame of even talking about weight gain, because there are a lot of people who live in larger bodies and receive so much discrimination and such a different life than I have. So, um, 
it was it was hard to navigate that on my own and mm. it was also hard to find a therapist who just who specialized in body image like mm. you know so the support was so rare at least I don't know here in Toronto mm-hmm. um so it's a really isolating experience going through that that fear of weight gain and the weight gain and really having a choice like I could have gone back to disordered eating mm-hmm. um, but part of me just knew that in order to lose the weight like in order to get back to the body that I idealized it would involve really disordered behaviors and I I had just I guess I had really connected to more meaningful things I'd connected to my values and I just wasn't willing to sacrifice those values to go back at that point for me um, so I just kind of had to push through the uncomfortable changes and I, I just chose to learn more about what my emotions meant. Like, why was I having such intense emotions around changes that were big for me, but they were not astronomical, right? Like they're so magnified, they were so magnified in my mind. And I sort of knew that my perception wasn't very realistic and I was, more so just getting curious about it. Like, why is this so uncomfortable for me? What am I afraid of? Mm-hmm. And how can I navigate those feelings in a healthier way? Is it that I'm afraid of my partner's not going to be attracted to me anymore because I don't look like how I look when we met? How can I address those fears in a, in a more helpful way than restricting my food intake? Can I have a conversation with him? Can I reach out to a therapist? Can I talk to friends? So. It it was a difficult period of of doing that, but I'm so glad that I did and didn't go back into a disordered cycle with food that really is like life sucking. Like it just it's soul sucking, right? It's like all you think about. So I'm I chose to lean into the other things that I valued. And yeah, I realized I was like, okay, well, I don't really like my body right now, but this year. I, um, you know, I, I developed a course for disordered eating and I was proud of that. So I just tried to focus on the other things that were going well in my life. Mm -hmm. No, that's amazing. And I'm so, you know, I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing these things because I don't think people talk about like the internal dialogue that goes on, right? Like the body shifts and changes and the insecurities that come up and the fears and, um, those are all the things that I think if we talked more about, it would be so much more normalized. Um, and I think we wouldn't feel so alone in all of this. Right. And people would be like, okay, it's not just me or like to your point, like if you can't find a therapist who's a specializes in eating disorders, cause it can be hard to find people. Um, at least there can be maybe a community of people out there that you feel like, okay, I can relate to somebody out there. Um, so I do, like I said, appreciate you opening up and sharing because, you know, there can there can be a lack of information. There can be a lack of insight into what's really going on in people's minds as they're struggling through all of this. So for sure, I think it's like such an isolating experience and I'm glad there is more information about it. But I think that you're right, like more conversation about coping with those body changes Mm -hmm. be really helpful for people right because I think I don't know your experience but I think that people who 
are around you who have never gone through an eating disorder or body image issues, they can kind of dismiss your feelings a little bit or say things that are trying to make you feel better. Like, oh, you look fine. Or what are you talking about? Or you have nothing to complain about, you know, and it can be very much like, okay, I'll be quiet. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's not really about the weight gain. It's about how you see yourself and no one else can really share that perception. Mm -hmm. And it's also about how others see you. It's about how valuable you feel, how lovable you feel. And a lot of those feelings don't even have anything to do with weight loss either. Like they Mm -hmm. likely have things to do with um, other life experiences and difficult hardships and things like that. So yeah, it's like, there's a web of stuff that can be worked through and it's hard to do that just with a friend or someone who's not going through it. Absolutely. Well, into the body dysmorphic part, right? Like what you see and what you experience compared to reality. There's, I mean, we could have a whole podcast on that alone, but that's a whole experience that's so individualized. um, Right. So working through all of that can be, you know, very challenging and a big struggle. For sure. It's so complex. Mm -hmm. Um. So, you know, I know you shared that you had just done a workshop and you have courses and you have all this content. So I'm sure people are going, okay, so (laughs) how do I find Natalie and all of her content? So how can people find you? Yeah, for sure. So my website is wakeupandsmelltherose.com. My Instagram is wakeupandsmelltherose. And through my Instagram and my website, you'll see that I have a community. So it's an online private membership for women in recovery from disordered eating. And in that in that space, we have online support groups and monthly workshops, and we have guest speakers coming in to do interviews and share information about certain topics related to recovery. Um, and there's a ton of stuff there. So I developed it as a way to provide more accessible resources for people in recovery. So it is pretty affordable and um, yeah, it's a really great place to be. So our next enrollment is going to be in March, but you can find the wait list on my website. Fantastic. I'll have all that in the show notes. Um, So thank you for sharing that. Um, Before we end, any last final messages for anyone listening? Yeah, I think that if you've listened this far, thank you for listening. And I guess I just would want everyone to know that everyone's recovery looks different and there's no right or wrong way to do it. And I think my advice would be just to be curious and to know that it's going to be okay. Fantastic. Well, again, Natalie, thank you so much for being here and all the great information you shared. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is given with the understanding that neither the host, the publisher, or the guest are rendering legal, accounting, clinical, or any other professional information. If you want a professional, you should find one.